Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, soccer people. Welcome to Soccer Morning on a Wednesday. Big show lined up for you today. Thank you very much for joining us as always. Let me go ahead off the top of the show since I always do this stuff at the end. Sometimes I think it gets lost. Remind you that uh, we're on iTunes. We have YouTube video stuff. Speaking of iTunes, I was just, I'm not really the guy that goes and looks and sees what our ratings are, like star wise or commentary, comments on the show, but I'm sure that we probably need more. Like we always need more. If you like the show at all, please go give us a rating and review at iTunes. It would help us out quite a bit in the, the battle to be relevant in the podcast world or something like that. It's cutthroat, guys. Like you have no, no, I'm just kidding. It's not. We're all friends. We all compete uh, in a friendly manner. Big show for you today. As I mentioned, we're going to cover the news here in a minute, but I want to let you know that David Cartledge, our friend in Spain, will join us at 910 to go over some of the Champions League stuff, maybe take a peek at La Liga Ronaldo. My good God, Ronaldo. It is insane what that man is doing right now. Let's do that. Let's dive into the news where we will touch on the insanity that is Cristiano Ronaldo. Champions League results from yesterday. Both of the Manchester teams fall PSV 2-1 over Manchester United. Obviously, that game marked by the gruesome injury suffered by Luke Shaw, breaking his leg in a challenge by Hector Moreno, Moreno of PSV. I have not watched it, and I'm not going to watch it, and you can't make me watch it. I had that game on my television. I'm sitting at, in, I'm sitting at my, my house on my couch, Working on some stuff on my laptop while the game's on my big screen. And I look down either at Twitter or to write. And I look up and Luke Shaw is being attended to. And I'm seeing on Twitter that he broke his legs and I'm like, no, or his leg. And I'm like, nope, not going to do it. I've seen gruesome injuries before. I'm not a fan. So uh, if you want to ask me about whether the challenge deserved a reg, I don't know. And honestly, I'm not going to know. Manchester City falling as well. This one much worse, if you can imagine. One, two, Juventus with the win. Mandzukic and Morata score for the Italian champions. Not going well for Manchester City right out of the gates in the group stage. Remember, this is the competition they continually uh, target as uh, the goal for a team that has dumped a ton of money into their squad year after year. PSG 2-0 over Malmo. No, Ibrahimovic did not score. Cavani and Di Maria did the honors, but PSG with a win. Real Madrid, as mentioned, Ronaldo, a hat trick. Two of those were penalties. 4-0 over Shakhtar Donetsk. And Ronaldo now with eight goals in his last two matches. Wolfsburg 1-0 over CSKA Moscow. Benfica 2-0 over FC Astana. Galatasaray, losers to Atletico Madrid at home 2-0. Sevilla 3-0 over Mönchengladbach, so it does not go well 
for the German side either. Champions League schedule today. Bayer Leverkusen versus Bate. Roma hosting Barcelona in a big match we'll talk to David Cartledge about. Valencia hosting Zenit St. Petersburg. Ghent versus Lyon. Dynamo Zagreb versus Arsenal. Chelsea amidst uh, all that drama in their league campaign. Playing host to Maccabi Tel Aviv, Olympiacos hosting Bayern Munich, Dynamo Kiev hosting FC Porto. The CONCACAF Champions League, DC United has booked their place in the knockout round with a 2 nothing win over Robbie Unido last night at RFK Stadium. Uh, Real Salt Lake gets a single point in El Salvador in a goalless draw against Santa Tecla. And you have Vancouver hosting Olympia of Honduras tonight in that competition speaking of that competition after the match against the Robbie Unido last night Ben Olsen dropped a hint that CONCACAF is considering changing the schedule for the Champions League in this part of the world acting as though uh, I'm not sure I didn't see the inflection I didn't I didn't hear the audio necessarily but the quote is oh did uh, did you guys not know about that I guess it was an email oops this could come as early as 2017, and what it would do is obviously switch the Champions League from this uh, split calendar uh, situation where the group stage happens in one portion or in one in one year and one season for MLS certainly, and then carries over with the knockout rounds happening uh, the next spring. The plan is to have apparently. The plan is to have the entire tournament take place over one calendar year. This would certainly benefit MLS teams who right now suffer from being in preseason form when the knockout rounds come around uh, in early spring. But it would also benefit Mexican teams if you think that's counterintuitive because they have such a big advantage. Um, if they have such a big advantage um because of being in form when the knockout rounds come around they do play they, they will be in relatively good form deep into the apertura by the time the the finals come around uh, in a champions league that takes place over one calendar year and it would mean much less of a gap between winning the tournament and going into the club world cup which has been a hindrance to mexican teams over the past couple of years not performing well at the Club World Cup because it's an eight-month wait until they go into that tournament, and Mexican teams turn over perhaps as much as any teams, uh, any team in the world. MLS News, Los Angeles Football Club has confirmed that, that that will be the official name. They will be called LAFC. That was uh, dropped yesterday. We talked to Kevin Baxter over at SiriusXM FC about the campaign to market to millennials in Los Angeles. I'm softening a bit on my stance on LAFC. It's still a little weird, but I kind of get it. MLS has rescinded the red card for Sporting Kansas City's Dom Dwyer that he picked up in their loss to Orlando City on the weekend. He was sent off for shoving Orlando City defender David Mateos, who made a meal out of it. Certainly went down uh, as though he had been uh, punched in the face and there was no such thing happening there. While I think that the red card is harsh, um, uh, I, I sort of saw the wisdom, of, or I saw, understood the red card, even if Mateos had made, uh, made something else out of it. Uh, rescinding the red card completely, uh, I'm not so sure about that, but, uh, alas, when simulation is involved, that's the reaction. Got games tonight in MLS. NYCFC hosting Toronto. Big game for Toronto as they try to maintain their spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs uh, structure. New England hosting the New York Red Bulls in a big, big, big match in the Eastern Conference. San Jose hosting Montreal. Problem for Montreal. Per reports, no Piatti, 
No Drogba, no Evan Bush, no Justin Mapp, no Donna Dell, and no Laurent Simon. So that is a problem for Montreal if all of those players are missing. And finally, the Frisco County, Frisco City Council has unanimously approved, unanimously, let's say that word, unanimously approved $39 million in improvements to Toyota Stadium there, FC Dallas's home venue. This could pave the way for the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame to be located in Frisco. We reported on the talk that there were a couple of different bids, including one, I believe, uh, in northern Pennsylvania for a home for the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. This one, uh, the, the plan is to also maybe move it to Frisco, Texas. And this $39 million improvement plan is thought to be a precursor to that, although no deal has officially been announced. All right, let's uh, step aside. We'll get our friend David Cartledge on the phone and we'll talk Spanish clubs in the Champions League. We'll talk La Liga. It should be fun. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com Facing the crowd You're talking too loud But I can't hear you calling Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning on a Wednesday, a Wednesday in the middle of September. And what that means is that we have Champions League to talk about. We're going to do that from a Spanish perspective with our friend David Cartledge. You can follow him on Twitter at David J-A-C-A. David, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Nice to be joining you again. It's nice to have you. All right, let's uh, let's touch on on the Champions League results from yesterday. I think it begins with the performance of of Cristiano Ronaldo, both in the league um, from the weekend and in heading into this match, uh, where Real Madrid just took apart Shakhtar Donetsk. Now, two of these goals are penalties. Uh, you know, some people will obviously uh, <laughs> will will minimize that a little bit, but come on, eight goals in two matches that's uh, that's insane. Yeah, um, sure. I'm really really about their their attacking power, and uh, and and they're doing exactly that. So you can't really complain about that, no. And um, the penalty decisions were a little um, fortuitous, shall we say? And, and Sergio Ramos tried to get another one as well, which is <laughs> absurd. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I think that line's going around. It's hilarious. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, they, they showed their power, and uh, they they did what they can do. Uh, now uh, the, again, Shakhtar Donetsk not not the the strongest team they're going to face in this competition. Clearly, but at the same time, um, you know it's important to start. It's important to start well, I, I suppose. What what um, what takeaways are there? Because you know Rafa is uh, of a particular sort of interest in his leadership of this club. Yeah, um, I think at the moment it's a case of. Yeah, Rafa keeps saying that the, the team must improve, and um, and the opponents are having um, too much of the ball. That's what he's saying at the moment. So that's that's an issue. I think that, that they're trying to address game by game um, on, on that basis, and, and and the opponents are getting chances. That's the thing. They they are allowed time to to build and take games to Madrid, but nobody has really punished them so far. Um, so it's a case of when will somebody actually do that? I mean. 
and not to down them uh, to, to down Real Madrid or anything. They've had, they've had quite an easy start to the season. Um, you know, I mean, I know they're away to Espanol when they put them balls in, but Espanol are a team they notoriously walk over. Um, and then they've got Granada to play next, you know, and, and they've got to go against Granada. So it's just waiting for the first real test, I think, for Real Madrid. I don't think they've been tested properly yet. Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, yeah, well, we're obviously going to see them tested at some point. I guess that's when we'll find out uh, again whether or not Rafa has them headed in in the right direction. All right. So we also had uh, we also had in the Champions League yesterday Sevilla taking out Mönchengladbach three nothing. I think that says a lot about look. It, it's on Sevilla's home turf, and and that helps. But this says a lot about Mönchengladbach and their start to the season. But you can't take anything away from Sevilla. Um, no, man, absolutely not. They, uh, I, I think Emery's made for this competition. I think in the, in the past when he's been here with Valencia and when he was there with Spartak Moscow, he, he, I, I still think he, he was making the same old errors that we, that we had before and he wasn't really improving. But I think now he's a far superior coach than he was many years ago and so they just see the benefit of that and it will be interesting to see um, in the future in the away games and things how he fares. But I think Emery's a coach who's he set up perfectly for this competition, so they could do well and could maybe get the odd scalp or two if they get their forward line sorted out. Well, it helps them in the group that uh, that Manchester City started so poorly uh, with a home loss to Juventus. Uh, I imagine that that works in Sevilla's favor. Also, uh, Atletico Madrid, 2 nothing winners on the road at Galatasaray. It, it, Turkey is a notoriously difficult uh, place to play, um, particularly in this competition. A, 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 I mean, a strong performance from Atleti, certainly. But what was it? What, what kind of performance was it overall? Did they did they dominate Galatasaray? Were they opportunistic? How does this fit? Yeah, this is the game that I paid most attention to out of all the Spanish teams last night. I, I revisited the others, of course, but this was the one where I watched live. I wanted to watch as it happened, and it was just a brilliantly executed performance from Atleti. It was very expertly done. They, they quite the, the the crowd was they barely had a chance to get into the game because I let you had shut them off straight away and, and and once they did that you felt they could build on that and they did, exactly did they got those two snap goals and they just really killed the game off with 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 a wonderful authority and they didn't really need to be amazing they were just experts in how they did it they've been here before they they're very good I think it's mm. it's uh, only one loss in their last seven away European uh, group games which is just outstanding and. I was really impressed with how they uh, how they went about the business. So that's uh, that's three win- three wins to start the group stage for the Spanish clubs. You got one more team in action. Obviously, that's Barcelona today. They're in Rome. Um, the uh, favorites, but by how much? And 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 really, what can Rome what can Roma do to try to slow down Barcelona? Yes, yeah, don't forget there's Valencia as well. Oh, now. sorry, I apologize for that. I did skip over Valencia. <laughs> I have them right here on my on my schedule. Yeah, at home against uh, Zenit St. Petersburg. So we'll come to Valencia. I've already set the table for Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. So so, so Barcelona. Yeah, I think the Roma started really started the season really well. So I think they'll be they'll be quietly confident. I think that they can do something. But like the Rossi said, they have to tackle the messy threat head on. They can't ignore it. They can't focus on other areas. They need to shut him down and. And I think that's going to be their primary task. I know it's a very basic analyst, but that's what they have to do. They have to shoot Lionel Messi down. And if they can do that, then they can build on their own game. And then Roma can maybe cause a surprise. And, and I think they can certainly kill. Roma's got some good players who could hurt Barcelona. Well, there, there's, already, there's already these narratives that are coming out. I mean, you know, whether or not they are, you know, they certainly, they certainly 
have some appeal, but whether or not they're accurate completely in, in a general sense, I don't know. But there's, you know, obviously the both Manchester teams lose. Obviously Manchester City at home, that's particularly damaging to their cause. But there's also this, oh, well, the Italian teams are, you know, obviously very uh, tactically sound. And, and, and they, uh, they come out and they know how they want to play and they, they use that to their advantage. Is that something that Barcelona is going to face? Is, is Roma of that particular ilk? Or is that just a general... You know, is that the general thing we say about Italian clubs that doesn't always apply? Yeah, I think I think it's part and part. I think there there is some there's definitely some substance to that sort of claim. Um, I think uh, the Italian teams will still set up a certain way. They they are very tactical. It's a very tactical league. You have to be a special player, I think, to succeed in that league. Um, and then really, and then on the other hand, I think really you know, I think. He he will commit numbers forward, I think, for Roma, and then they will have a go at Barcelona because this is the problem. Sometimes we're talking about Real Madrid not being tested. Teams need to go at Real Madrid and Barcelona. You know, they they need to have a go at them. They have got vulnerabilities. They have there's weaknesses mm-hmm. there, and and teams have to go at them. So I think it would be in Roma's best interest to actually commit numbers and 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 put in a, an attacking performance against Barcelona. You certainly can't play afraid, not not at home in the Champions League. All right, let's. Uh, as I mentioned, I didn't mean to skip over them. So apologies to to any Valencia fans listening right now. Valencia at home to Zenit St. Petersburg. Um, give me the outlook for that match. Yeah, it's, it's Valencia's return after a few years away back to the Champions League. As you and I, Emery, had them in last time, um, and and basically, it's it's. So I think they so they are a team that's vulnerable in Valencia. I think need to capitalise and I think they need a performance as well because Valencia's start of the season hasn't been particularly spectacular. They were they were shocked a little bit by Monaco, but gradually got through that one. And then in the league as well, they haven't been entirely convincing. So I think they really need a performance again in front of their, in front of the home fans on a on a night which should have a good atmosphere. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of people looking forward to Champions League football again, especially because that group sets up so nicely for them. If they can get off to a good start, I mean that's not the toughest group in this competition. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it, it's something that Nuno has got to look at and think. Look, we can get through this, and I think the expectations around Valencia as well as and again, the, the the overarching narratives. I mean, let's uh, let's imagine that Barcelona handles Roma, even even if that's a, a draw on the road. I think that that's something they could stomach. And and Valencia at home takes care of Zenit Saint Petersburg. Now we're talking about. All of the Spanish clubs coming out strong in this competition and just a reinforcement. And especially, David, I imagine a good thing for Spanish football that it's not just Real Madrid and Barcelona or even Atleti, who has had success in this competition recently. But you throw in Sevilla and Valencia starting well and, and you kind of continue that um, that narrative that is that Spanish football is, is fairly strong a little bit farther down the table than most people give it credit. Exactly, and this is the best case. This is the best opportunity for for, for these teams to show that. And and, and you, you do rightly say the teams after Atleti they need to show as well because okay, Atleti have got themselves not pedestal now. People know they produce good players. They they end up selling them on. Okay, but they know they're a good team. And now Valencia 
in Sevilla, they need to show. I know Sevilla have got that Europa League win, but people are maybe still not taking them entirely seriously. So Valencia and Sevilla are in a great opportunity here. And in the Europa League as well, I think Villarreal have got to show. You know, these um, Athletic Global, they've got to show a better account of themselves as well in, in that competition. So yes, absolutely, these teams must really put in a performance, I think, because there's still a lot for me that La Liga have to prove. And there's, I mean, we, we've talked uh, extensively about some of the imbalance issues um, in, in Spain. And, and I read ahead of the uh, start of the group stage uh, of the Champions League, David, somebody, uh, there, there was some piece out that identified the gap between the, the biggest clubs, the richest clubs in this competition, and, and some of the, the smaller clubs. Obviously, FC Astana is getting a lot of attention for being way out in Kazakhstan and, and obviously being a small club. But the, the gap is something like 700 million euros. Um, I don't even know what that. I suppose that's in the player value. Is that you know? Is that an issue for you? I mean, how do, how do you sort of reconcile the Champions League and where we are with this competition when it's pretty clear there there are only three or four clubs that that you would identify as as real favorites. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it will take a special team to to upset the elite, to upset the uh, Bayern Munich, the Real Madrid, the Barcelona, the, the teams that do spend money, the teams that have got these star players. But I think Sevilla should, again, going back to Sevilla and the Europa League, they were up against teams who spent a lot more money than them as well, and in terms of the Premier League teams as well, and, and they saw them off. And if you're a well-run club, if you've got a good coach, an intelligent coach, and your squad has been built correctly, and you have the right depth there, you have an excellent start in 11 with a few quality players who could probably score up a level, then there's every chance that you could shock. And Valencia, Sevilla... They are the, the the teams that could actually do that. Aleti as well. They they they're in this little bracket of teams just under the elite that could actually stun these um, these bigger sides on the day through a, a whole team performance. So I think that's where it is. The team who is best coached and then also has this squad that's been built correctly. What what is the financial impact for for teams like uh, like Sevilla? Valencia in this comp- being in this competition and and you know obviously they they want to advance. Um, if they can get through the group, what's the financial impact on on those clubs? We we know Real Madrid and Barcelona are are going to be rich no matter what happens, um, but there's got to be some significant impact for those teams. Oh, absolutely, it's massive. I mean, compared, I mean, if, if Sevilla just get through this group stage with a couple of wins under their belt, and then maybe get past the first rock, uh, the first knockout stage, they will have amassed more money than they did altogether going to the final of the Europa League. That's how much the money difference between these two competitions is. So the money that they can bring in will be fantastic. And also for these teams like Valencia and Sevilla as well, a lot of their income is through player sales. That's how it comes from. So they need another outlet to bring money in. And the Champions League is perfect. It's the, it's the, the holy ground for them. They need to be there. They need to be getting this money in. And it's, it's, it's massively important for these Spanish teams. Mm. Uh, now let's uh, let's talk about uh, the league as it uh, as it sits at the moment. Just three weeks in, three match days in. Uh, Barcelona top of the table, no surprise there. Real Madrid in second, okay. Uh, by the way, Real Madrid scoring eleven goals in three matches so far. We know about that six nothing win over Espanyol, uh, which obviously pushes pushes their number up. Uh, you know, we're talking about Sevilla, and they have yet to win in the league. What's uh, what accounts for the slow start there? Yeah, I think it's just a case of getting all the... Uh, I think we discussed this um, in one of the first um, podcasts of the new season about teams with lots of new players and Sevilla are one of them. And they're just gradually adjusting to the new system and especially when they've lost somebody like Carlos Parker, but the team is very much built around and, and catered towards how he played and how they they all moved around him. And now they're just finding their way with somebody like Llorente 
and and Kevin Gamero, as we saw midweek, and they're going to take time to get there. But I think when they do, it should be interesting to watch. So that's why they're a little bit throughout the blocks at the moment. But I still think there's a, there's a lot to come from them. Got a lot of injuries now as well. I mean, the department's defence, they've lost their goalkeeper as well, midfield. They really haven't had a full selection to choose from. So it will take time for them to get up and run, but uh, they will. They host uh, Celta Vigo on, on Sunday, uh, but that that's a Celta Vigo team that started out very well themselves, two wins and a draw from three matches. Uh, just handicap that one a bit for me. And, and how much of Celta Vigo's start is sort of the opposite, maybe, from what Sevilla's dealing with? Yeah, Celta Vigo, uh, again, was another team we've discussed before. And again, I mean, all people talk about Valencia and Sevilla, why you should watch the Liga. But I said before, if there was another team you should watch in this league this season, if somebody likes Celta Vigo, it's the Villarreal, Celta Vigo, Athletic Global. Celta Vigo are a very attractive team, play a very nice football, very attractive to watch, very patient build-up. And they've got, you know, they've got some little stars there in terms of Oriana and Nolito. These, these are good players. They're very, very good players who could easily play a, a high level up. But Celta have got them. They've got a very good coach in Barito. And, and, and right now they, they are. They're looking, looking very strong. They're a very attacking minded team and they will concede goals. Absolutely. As we saw, it was a 3-3 game at the weekend of the last Palmas. So it was the best game of the season so far. I know it's very early, but it was the best game. It was, it's been fantastic. Um, and they play very attacking, and they're, they're a team that if you get the time, you should definitely check them out. Um, to anybody listening, hmm. uh, let, let me. I'm looking at Barcelona's results so far. Obviously, they're they're perfect. They're, they have three wins in three. Uh, they start out. They started out the season with um, uh, a, a one nothing. I'm sorry, two a one nothing win over Bilbao, who they had just beaten in the Super Cup uh, by a much larger margin. Or no, they lost to uh, Atletico Bilbao. Excuse me, in the Super Cup. So that was a bit of a redemption there. They beat Malaga one nothing, and then they they do take down Atletico Madrid, which I imagine is is a pretty significant thing at this point in the year. But there's they're not scoring the way that we expect Barcelona to score, at least not in La Liga. Is that uh, is is that just slow out of the blocks, or is there something else at work? Yeah, absolutely. I think their their preseason has maybe took it out of them a little bit, and they are working up to, to peak fitness, to peak form. They've they, they've had players drop in and out the side as well, obviously, and and things are still not completely clicking at the moment there. But again, it's nothing to worry about. And I think if you look. They've they've navigated two of their most um, their dangerous away fixtures in mm-hmm. terms of uh, going to Santa Calderon against Aledi and then San Mamés against Athletic Bilbao. Those two fixtures are out the way. They're, they're horrific fixtures for any team to go to. So for the fact that they've come there with maximum points is very impressive, considering they're not at full full speed, shall we say. But I think again, this is a t- Barcelona team. You'll you'll see peak again in the new year. I think. But for now, yeah, I think they'll they'll get by. They'll be fine. Sure, of course. I mean, you know, we we imagine that they will. Uh, it would be a surprise. We don't have any. We don't have any Chelsea's in Spain at the moment, do we? I mean, even even what we just talked about with Sevilla, and you know, their expectation isn't to win a title necessarily, but even that it can be can be justified in some manner. Where where are the surprises so far? Again, three matches is real tough to pin down anything, David. But there's got to be something where you're like, oh, well, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I guess you would have to say, I mean, looking at the different end of the scale, is, is Ibar. They're up there in fifth place, and they won two games from their first three. This is a team that many said, okay, these guys are down, and, you know, they, they're finished. And um, they're, they're surprising everybody. They're, they're putting in the hard work to, you know, they haven't got the talent or anything like that, but they've got a lot of hard work. They've got a great chemistry, a great ethic, and they're all pulling in the same direction. 
So that's probably the little surprise, and then Celta, as we've discussed as well. So they're probably the two surprises at the moment, I would say. But there's, there's no Chelsea case in terms of a, a giant fluttering. Sevilla's not really on that level. Well, what about on the other end? I mean, like Ibar in fifth, okay, that's a, something of a surprise. The the promoted teams, you know, we're always tracking them uh, at least early in the year to see how they're adjusting to the to the new level and whether or not they can scrape together some points that they can build a foundation on in order to make sure that they stay up. It, it, how is that going so far? Las Palmas, um, uh, who am I missing? I, I'm obviously missing two, two teams. Real, Real Betis and Sporting Huron. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. they've all shown really big positive signs um, at this early stage. None of them look particularly out of their depth. I know Sporting's down there, but they got a draw against Real Madrid. They got a draw against uh, Real Sociedad as well, you know, and Las Palmas have played some excellent football they just probably need to defend a little bit with a little more intelligence. They're not in Segunda anymore. They can't go gung-ho as they have. Um, and Betis are obviously, and Betis are there as well. They've won, drawn, and lost in their first three games. So they're all showing really positive signs. And, and, the, and exactly like we said, they, they, none of them will be pushovers. They've all got their qualities to bring to the, the league table. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got Las Palmas against Rayo Vallecano. I got some questions about Rayo Vallecano here coming up in a second, but Ibar hosting Atleti, um, with Ibar having surprised so far uh, Atleti, uh, Atleti in the Champions League, a, a potential for anything, any surprise there on Saturday? Yes, coming back from Turkey, it could be one that maybe Atleti don't fancy. And they're still putting together their team, Atleti. They've been impressive. They've shown some very nice signs so far this season, but they're still clicking. I mean, for instance, Jackson hasn't really settled into the, the centre-forward role, so I think you're going to maybe see Torres up front. Um, in that game, they're going to have to go for a bit more muscle and a bit more experience in that game. So, Ibar will definitely fancy themselves Saturday night uh, under the floodlights at that little stadium. Oh, absolutely, they will fancy themselves. Yeah, hopefully you're going to get a look at that game coming up on the weekend. All right, so uh, Rayo Vallecano, who I mentioned, uh, is away to Las Palmas this weekend. They've come up, they've popped up in American soccer circles recently, David. I don't know if I've had a chance to ask you about this. Uh, if I if I have, I apologize, but I think it's worth reviewing. Apparently, they've uh, decided to get involved in the lower divisions uh, of American soccer and, and have bought a, a stake in a team in Oklahoma City, which um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're familiar with Oklahoma City, middle of the country, not overly large. Yeah. Obviously, uh, uh, not a hotbed for the sport by any stretch, but, but it is the game's growing here, so there's always opportunity. What would account for a, for a club like Rai Vaicano? Who, who certainly isn't one of the big boys of Spanish football and, and really can't throw around a ton of money, but what would account for them getting involved in something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one because Rio, uh, the team in La Liga, one of, shall we say, that, uh, one, of the, one of the poorest teams. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting move by them because they've also made some efforts. This, they've gone out on a limb this, this summer, really, to, to in, in terms of... Globalization, shall we say, because they've also sealed a, they've got a sponsorship deal with a Chinese company. Mm. And then this, and they've also signed a Chinese player as well. And then this news came about, uh, about Oklahoma City as well. So it's interesting. There's definitely an effort from them to, to attack different markets. It's a, it's a move that's been backed by the league's chief, Javier Tebas. You know, he, he said he likes to see that they move into, Strategic market, shall we say, and and it will help them grow, get the Rio name out there, and it's um it's it's an interesting it's an interesting move, it, it really is. Well, you know, how do La Liga teams that aren't um one of the big two, how do they deal with 
the notion of, of glo- I mean, obviously, we're in this, this race now to spread your brand all over the world. And, and you know, the, the, the fans, the real fans, don't like talking about these things, but they are part of the business of football these days. How does the rest of La Liga, that isn't Barcelona and Real Madrid, and can't really just trade on their success, how do they deal with this kind of issue? And, and you know, is it just a matter of signing up with a Chinese company? Is there is there some active program they can run? I mean, we're talking about a club who... You know, who plays in a stadium of less than fifteen thousand? It's not as though there's some sort of expectation that they're ever going to grab a large part of the world market. Yeah, exactly. It's an interesting one. It's like a, it's like a bit by bit. I think they're they're trying to do. Rayo trying to get some exposure, some revenue from somewhere. It's an interesting, especially with the Chinese deal and signing the Chinese player as well. You know, revenue is obviously a big issue there. And it's just trying to create a different avenue to to go down and put the name of your put the name of the club out there. And it's it's a, it's an interesting one, and it really is. It's some it's something we'll have to see develop over time to see what comes of it. But it it is a strange one, especially like I guess because it's Rayo Vallecano. If it was any other club, then we might not bat an eyelid. So you know, but it would have been Rayo. It's it's different. Is there is there a sense that this is something these clubs have to be doing in order to make up for the discrepancy in in the in the TV money in Spain? I mean, you know, maybe maybe Rayo's goal, Rayo goal is to stay up. I mean, you know, maybe it's nothing beyond that. Maybe it's one day to to look for a, a Europa League berth. But they they clearly and this is what I dislike so much about the stratification of European football, David. It's you always know going into a season that your that your goals can't out, outstrip your spending. So how do these clubs? I mean, is this is this part of that? Is it make, trying to make up for some of that? And if there is a fairer split of the TV money, and I think we've made progress in that area, does that eliminate the need for some of these clubs to to look outside Spanish borders? Yeah, definitely. That's that's why they're doing it primarily. They're they're looking for an extra avenue to bring to bring a tiny. Little, extra bit of amount of money and if it's a big amount then amazing but if it's a small amount okay they'll you know they'll happily take that as well and it's they're just trying to create something something else and do something differently and in terms of this globalization it's not something that spanish clubs are, are really big on or are really wise to it's something that i think that needs to be done i mean we obviously look at the manchester city um, the development they have got, um, you know, with, uh, with New York, and and it's something that Spanish clubs perhaps need to do. Whether you think it's a a bad thing or a good thing, you know, whether it rips out the the meaning of the game or whatever, that but it's probably something the bigger clubs need to do, and it's something that I think you might see more often in Spain. And it's something that people who own these clubs are actively trying to do. I know Levante's owner has been out, and he's been trying to seek investment from different parts of the globe, and then Rio obviously succeeded. Valencia have done it before, there's some good success as well. So, so yeah, it's something I think we're going to see a lot more of um, in the near future. It's uh, very interesting, very fascinating stuff. David Cartledge talking Spanish football. The Spanish clubs in the Champions League doing very well. We expect Valencia and Barcelona uh, to perhaps continue that trend today. We're looking forward to that. Follow David on Twitter at DavidJA. CA and uh, find his work uh, through his Twitter account. What else should I be telling people, David? Got anything else you want to plug? No, I'm not. That's everything. Yeah, you've got me. That's <laughs> where you find me, and that's where you'll find everything about yeah, And his regular appearance is right here on Soccer Morning. David, appreciate it as always. Fantastic stuff. We'll be uh, watching Champions League today and uh, La Liga on the weekend. Appreciate it. Great joining you.
There goes uh, David Cartledge. Good stuff from him. We will take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll set up the phones, and you can call me, and we can talk about all of this, and the Champions League, and Oklahoma City, and MLS, and CONCACAF Champions League, and the schedule switch, and everything else in a minute. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Strings on a broke guitar. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning on a Wednesday. A Wednesday that brings us soccer. Lovely, lovely soccer. Champions League in Europe. MLS action tonight with a couple of games. And then you have Vancouver in the CONCACAF Champions League as well. So a big match day. Big match day all over the place. I think the highlight of the day, I mean, look. You can't say anything negative about about the uh, UEFA Champions League. I mean, I, duh. duh. I mean, duh. Olympiacos, Bayern Munich, Chelsea, Maccabee, Tel Aviv, uh, Valencia, Santa St. Petersburg, Roma, Barcelona. That's a huge one. Clearly, these are big games. But in this part of the world, nothing bigger than New England, New York, with first place in the Eastern Conference hanging in the balance. If New England wins... They jump over the Red Bulls and D.C. United into first place in the East. If the Red Bulls win, they extend their lead over D.C. United, or they create a gap between themselves and D.C. United. Right now, tied on points. But again, they've got games in hand. And we know that seeding matters on some level, not only because the MLS Cup tie, uh, championship game, the MLS Cup final, will be played at the home of the club with the highest number of points left in the tournament, but also because you get to start at home in the playoffs. Or you get home, yeah, whatever I just said. Because actually, Red Bulls, DC United right now holding down those top two spots, those are the spots that go into immediately into, um, into those semifinals where you play home and, a leg, uh, home and away two-legged series. So we'll see how this plays out tonight. I, I think that New England at home is the way to go. I've got 2-1 for New England. But I'm willing to hear dissent on this subject. So give me a call. 646-832-3909. We'll, uh, we'll get you in. You can talk about MLS or the Champions League, as I mentioned. All right, we're having an issue with the phones. All right, do you want to... Maybe if I reset the phone system. Should we reset the phone system? I'm just uh, just going to talk to Trevor here for a second, guys. Just hold on one second. Just get check with it. Check with the boss man. See what uh, we need to do to get the phones working. I want to be able to talk to the people. Uh, Okay, let me... I don't think so. I'm in the host room. Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's take a quick break. That's a good idea. Let's get the tech, let's get the tech fixed. We'll get the tech fixed. We'll come back. We'll fix... Yeah, we'll get you on the line. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, I am back, but the phones are not. The phones are just screwed for today. Our apologies. The technology does not want to work. That occasionally happens. There's literally nothing we can do. I know you have thoughts, concerns, and questions, and you want to get them in. Uh, and I'd love to talk to you, but there's just no way to get that working today. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend the next couple of minutes just uh, talking out some of the issues and, and stories of the day. If you want to throw in anything, hit me up on Twitter at Soccer Morning. That's the best way to get your thoughts of what's going on on the program. You know, which uh, which games are you looking forward to most today? I mean, this is a full schedule. This is more then you uh, might even get some weekends uh, occasionally. Well, it depends, of course. We usually have league schedules. But you got Champions League, the pinnacle of club football in the world, even if not all of these matchups meet that standard. And you've got MLS with a couple of big games. And again, uh, the New England-New York clash is the, the more sexy of the two with first place on the line in the Eastern Conference. But you've also got Toronto visiting New York City FC. And this one is intriguing in part because of Toronto's place in the Eastern Conference standings right now and how they're trying to hold on to a playoff spot. They've never made the playoffs in their history. So to to get there would be an achievement. Now, of course, you know, our goal is the MLS Cup. Of course, everybody wants to win a championship. And in this league... You can reasonably imagine yourself winning a championship even if you finish fifth in the Eastern Conference. Right now, the gap between Toronto and Montreal is five points. Montreal has two games in hand on Toronto FC. One of those is going to go away tonight. If Toronto does not beat New York City FC or loses, let's just say let's say it that way, if they lose to NYC FC tonight, it's not going to be easy. I mean, Yankee Stadium presents some quirks. It's not as though... Toronto's in such good form that they can walk into that building and beat a team that's in turmoil. They're going to have a struggle. They may. They may have a struggle. And if they lose this match, that puts Montreal five points back with only one game, with, uh, with, uh, sorry, with three games in hand again and an opportunity to climb back and maybe jump over Toronto FC. And then we're talking about, okay, now is Toronto going to be pulled back down into a struggle just to make it into the playoffs at all? Because there is only one thing that's, uh, there's only one way that Toronto's season is a success, and that's making the playoffs. They can't finish seventh and say, oh, but we had a good year. And you know, Jovinko was really good in 2015, and Michael Bradley was okay. I I mean, what are you going to say? How are you going to build on that? You need the playoffs. They need the playoffs so that they can create that stability, not only with uh, the players, and imagine Jovinko and Bradley and Altador and Osorio and uh, all of these guys need some reason to stick around for the near future if they see some positive, uh, some positive growth in this team. But you know, give Toronto needs a reason not to fire Greg Vanny. I say it that way. Toronto FC needs a reason to keep Greg Vanny around. And I'm not saying that Greg Vanny's a great coach. I'm not saying that he's the right coach. But if he gets them to the playoffs, at least you have some stability. At least you know, okay, he got them there. That's never happened before. We can move into 2016 with the same core of players and the same coach with some notion of how we want to identify ourselves and play. It, it's got to be more than Jovinko. Give Jovinko the ball and let him do some stuff. And they got to show up that defense. 
But making the playoffs would be a good step in the direction of proving to their fans they're, they're headed in the right direction. And allow, again, allowing them to keep that base in place. The base that is Greg Vanny as the head coach of Toronto FC. Man, I saw uh, there's something just sad today. Uh, let me see if I pull. I did click the link. I've got the tab somewhere. Josh Gatt. Josh Gatt. One, once upon a time, a uh, an exciting prospect for the U.S. men's national team. Player that went from Michigan and high school soccer to Molda, where he blazed a trail with his incredible speed up and down the wing in Norway. That was back in 2012. I mean, it's a long time ago. He's had so many injuries. Now, this is from StarsAndStripesFC.com. Josh Gad, who I follow on Twitter, put something up on his on his Instagram. It appears if we, as if we won't see Josh Gad play soccer again for a while. The speedy winger who was who had so many around the American soccer world buzzing in 2012 with his spectacular play with Molda FK posted a heartfelt Instagram message this morning. In it, he informs us that a second attempt to repair his left knee was unsuccessful and a, that a third surgery was needed. This is from Josh Gatt's Instagram. A lot has happened to me these past months. I've seen a lot of doctors in many different countries to find and solve the problem, which has been my left knee. I've had a terrible string of injuries and adversity that made me question the choices I've made and if I should continue to make the same choices again. Most of you don't, don't know what happened, but to fill you in, I had to repair my knee again. The last surgery I had didn't take the way we'd hope, and it led to more damage in my knee. I wish I could say things would be easy and I'd be back sooner rather than later, but that's not the truth. The truth is, the truth is I have to start at square one a third time. But that doesn't change what I have to do. I choose to fight. I choose to get back up after getting knocked down again. I choose to never give up and work every day as hard as I can to continue chasing my dreams. They are far from gone and not even close to out of reach. Some might not believe I can do it, which is your opinion, and it's fine, but it's not my opinion. I know I'll play again. I will work as hard as I can every day to reach my goals and to play again. I'm a fighter. I am not a quitter, and I will get better. For those of you who support and believe me, I could not ask for anything more, and I hope you know I truly appreciate that with all my heart. If you can show me faith and believe in my recovery, I will turn the favor in kind by doing everything I can to get back to that field. Wish me some luck, and keep uh, keep a lookout in the future. I will make a comeback. Josh Gatt. And that's... Just a sad story. I mean, I, I really do hope the kid gets back on the field and can do something uh, positive with his career. Because there's nothing more painful than to see a talented player. I don't know what Josh Gatt's ceiling was going to be. I mean, who knows? We might never know now. But it's, there's nothing more tragic than seeing an, a talented player have his ability to play limited by injuries. His career cut short by injuries if it comes to that. His 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 career marked by long stretches of being out. I mean, America and Americans. I'm sure every nation has these guys, incredibly talented players at a young age who look like they're going to be the future, and then can't get past injury. But I mean, we have we have such touchstone moments in the history of the American uh, of the American national team because we haven't been doing it that long at a high level. John O'Brien. I mean, that's that's the number one guy. Stuart Holden, who I, I, I is still trying to work back, is maybe transitioning into television, but is still trying to work back. Now Josh Gatt. I'm sure there's a number of players. I mean, who's on the list? The top five players who injury ruined their chances of becoming what they could possibly have become. I feel as though it wouldn't take a lot to put that list together. 
Uh, Edward on Twitter, as far as Toronto, New York City, FC, I expect another shootout. NYCFC can't contain Gio. Toronto can't contain Via. Via's uh, completely healthy. I mean, I know he came off at halftime in Frisco. Was that probably to help save him um, for for a, a stretch run here? Now, I don't think NYCFC is making the playoffs, but I guess having a healthy David Via and having him ready to play at home is uh, probably the way to go if you're Jason Kreiss. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's get ready to wrap this one up. Again, apologies for the phone lines, guys. I didn't uh, we didn't know that was going to happen. Clearly, uh, technology uh, technology didn't want to cooperate today. Uh, technology is our friend in a lot of cases. Today it was not, but we will be back ready to go tomorrow. Hopefully, the phones work. We'll talk uh, Champions League and the fallout from today's action. Uh, Concacaf Champions League, MLS as well. We'll see if this is a shootout up at, NYC, uh, at NYCFC at uh, Yankee Stadium. And we'll do more soccer. Find us on backheel.com, worldsoccertalk.com. Give us a rating and a review at iTunes. Uh, buy a t-shirt and a mug, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Later. Did my invitations disappear? What I put my heart on every cursive letter. Tell me why the hell no one is here. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.